Stephanie couldn't be here on Wednesdays, but she can be here Sunday mornings. So we're going to do some video worship, and we're just going to get into the Word. So um, would you please stand? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this night. As we've come into your house to worship you, to honor you, to give you praise. Lord, the very fact that, that we've taken this time tonight should show where our love is. We love you, Lord. You know our hearts. and We want to honor you in everything we do. We want to do it through the worship and through the preaching and hearing of the word and how we live our life. And So, Father, we want to honor you by first worshiping you tonight. Hallowed be thy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.
that you've been so faithful and so good. And Lord, I know this is not like a normal night because of worship, but Lord, even if we're worshiping by ourselves, from the heart, that's what matters. God, you have been so faithful to us. Lord, even the things that we don't even notice, that you are faithful. You're faithful. You're, you're better than a brother. You're better than a sister. You are faithful. You are God Almighty that remains faithful to your kids. Lord, we're reminded in the scripture that, Lord, it says that your sheep know your voice and they will not follow it. They will actually run from a stranger's voice. And that you give them eternal life. And that, Lord, that we're in your hands and you're in the Father's hands. That's a wonderful place to be. You are faithful. God, we thank you for that tonight. We honor you, we praise you, and we glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I, I, I appreciate you guys coming out. I know that uh, our normal worship here, I was going to do Daniel, but I, man, through the whole worship, God kept laying on my heart about prayer. So would you go with me to the book of James? If you have your Bibles, if you have electronic Bibles, the book of James, chapter 5. Um, I want to be obedient to whatever God has for us tonight. And, uh, you know, the good thing, again, I've shared with you many times, you write these series, you can always come back to them. So we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and when we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He can do so many more mighty things in our life than, than we can ask. So I, I want to look at prayer tonight. And what I'm going to do tonight that I sense the Lord want me to do is we're going to read through this. We're going to study it a little bit. And then we're going to break up into groups and pray for each other. Um, let, let me share something with you. Every single one of you tonight, you're born again. Your prayers are powerful and effective. And we're going to look at that tonight. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Some of the greatest prayers have been the ones that we didn't think we felt anything. Some of the greatest prayers that we've prayed are simple prayers. Do you know Jesus prayed simple prayers? He didn't pray these big, long prayers. He said, your faith has made you well. Go, go in peace. Or, or you are forgiven. Or rise up and pick up your mat. Uh, I remember John Wimber preaching on that one time. And he said, sometimes we get so caught up in the words that we want to say to God instead of just believing in faith and saying a few words and seeing what he can do. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 20. And then we're going to pray. James chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should do what? Pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Verse 19, my brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude 
of sins. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you want to do something different tonight, and that's okay. I pray, Lord, that whatever we pray in groups tonight, whether we feel it or not, whether we sense it or not, there will be a supernatural move of your spirit. God, you can move amongst 15 or 16 of us here as much as you can of 100 or 30. God, you moved on 12 people through the Apostle Paul when he laid hands on them and they got saved and water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray tonight that you will move in our midst. I pray that testimonies will come from this. I pray that bodies will be healed and minds healed and finances touched and miracles to come in that only you get the glory for. God, we want to bring our prayers to you because you're the God that answers prayer. So, Father, as we lift these prayers up to you tonight and as we listen to the word, Lord, you always taught the word and people acted on faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Build our faith tonight, Lord, through your word so that when we pray, we will act in faith and see the supernatural move of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. God, again, pour out your spirit tonight in a mighty way and speak through me as your vessel as I can do nothing apart from you. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. So James, speaking to the church here, he says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Trouble can come in many different forms. Trouble could be physical issues. It could be financial issues. It could be family issues. It, it could be job issues. It could be mental issues. We, we see a lot of that today, don't we? A lot of people with mental issues. And so he says, is any one of you in trouble? He should do what? Pray. Now hold your spot here and go with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let's see if I got it right here. Look with me in verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be what? Your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So James says to pray, and we go over here, and, and, and Jesus talks about prayer. And he says, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, get alone with the Lord, and it's okay. Find a place to get alone with Jesus. Anybody got a prayer closet? Anybody get alone with the Lord? It might be in your car. 
And I'm not talking about when you're driving in Dallas traffic. You need to pray. Those are what we call 911 prayers. But I'm talking about a prayer room. It would be nice to play that movie some night on a Wednesday night. The, 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 the war room. Right? Because we need to pray. Jesus oftentimes went, did, it did what? He went alone by himself to pray. Your communication between you and God and your relationship is talking to him. That's prayer. Prayer doesn't have to these, be these beautiful words. There are times when I'm praying for someone, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what to pray. So I just pray as simple as I can, and you know God can answer those prayers. God looks at the heart and not so much what you're saying. He looks at your faith. So Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. See, what would happen a lot of times in those days, and he's referring to the Pharisees. They would stand out on the street corners with their big robes and their big phylacteries. Remember I told you what phylacteries were. These big boxes that held the Ten Commandments in it. And they would stand out there and they'd have them on their wrists and they wanted everybody to notice them. What Jesus says is go into your prayer closet. Get alone with the Lord. You know, whether it's, again, walking out in the woods or going for a walk or spending time in your backyard. Then he says this, Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we don't know what the reward is. The reward could be an answer to your prayer. You know, you're praying for something, and God can answer that prayer, and that could be the reward. So then he says this, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, when he says that here, in those days, they would have repetitious prayers that they would pray. And they didn't mean it from the heart. So a lot of people think, well, if I just say these repetitious prayers, if I just, how about the Lord's Prayer? You can take the Lord's Prayer and make it into a repetitious babble, uh, babbling prayer. Well, if I just say this prayer, God's going to answer my prayer. That's not what he's describing there. He's talking about, again, sharing your heart with God. Anybody have a conversation with your spouse or with your friends? You talk to them like a normal person, right? That's how you talk to God. Some of you guys know this tonight, but are we exercising it? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Here's another thing too. When you pray, believe that you've received it from the Lord. Now it's not wrong to keep asking because scripture says it. Keep asking, keep knocking, keep pursuing the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But we also have to get to a point where we expect that God's going to answer our prayer. And then Jesus gives us an outline for it. Verse 8 first he says, do not be like them for the Father knows what you need before you what? Ask him. How many of you guys need have a need tonight? Yeah, most of you. Y'all have a need. I don't know what that need is, but God knows. Does, I mean does. Been, I even used a word tonight that's not even grammatically correct. Crazily. But it works, doesn't it? God knows what you need prayer for. Now, we understand that God is sovereign. He answers prayer the way that he wants to answer it. He does things the way he wants to do it. 
And we have to yield to that and trust him for that. So he says, do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know what it's like? It's like a parent. My kids come to me. They have a need, but I want to hear what it is that they want. And sometimes it's like a child going through the store. You know what's best for your child. They may want something, but you want something better for them, right? Or you know what's best. It's the same with the Father. Sometimes the thing that we're asking for the most, God's got something better. I was listening to, um, uh, what's his name, Robert Morris one time on this. Anybody ever listen to Robert Morris? And he was sharing a story that he really wanted, all, at that time, all the pastors were getting SUVs. And that's not me. I don't care about that stuff. To me. I mean, I have a, 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 not an SUV, I have what we would call a modern day uh, uh, station wagon. It's called a van. And I do that because I got three kids and I got to find somewhere to put them. But some pastor's all about that. But anyways, he was talking about how he wanted an SUV, and he had looked at one, and he kept pursuing it, and God said, no, you need to wait on me. God told him no. Well, he went in and got it. He got this SUV, bought it, and he had nothing but problems with it. In fact, he lost money getting rid of that thing. And he went to a friend, and a friend of his had an SUV, and he goes, I was going to give you this SUV a year ago, but God told me no. If he would have waited, he would have got an SUV. Again, God, I, I'm just using that as an example. But God knows what you need before you ask him. Now Jesus gives a template for prayer. He said, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you start your prayer by giving God praise? Do you get your focus on him and off your problem? And that's not always easy when you're going through a problem. Especially if it's an anxious, worrisome problem, right? But he says, lift up God's name. Hallowed means to fear, to honor, to respect. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I choose to praise you. I choose to lift you up. I choose to honor you, to, to, to give you glory in all that you are. So start your prayer with giving God praise. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want to see your glory move. Let your kingdom come. Do what you want in my life. Do what you want in this situation. Give it to God. See what he will do in it. Get your hands off of it and give it to him. If we have our hands on it, we can't give it to him, right? So he says, he says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And then here's the important thing. Your what be done? Your will. Your will. How many of us love the will of God? How many of us love the will of God? Because you know sometimes God permits and allows things into our life that we don't always like. But it's his will. Do we like it then? Do we enjoy it then? On earth as it is in heaven. Notice the connection there. What God wills in heaven, he wills on earth. What he decides in heaven, he wills on earth. He decides on earth. So things going on in your life. Now again, that doesn't mean everything is God uh, doing this. God does permit though. Does that make sense tonight? So in your prayer, God, whatever your will is in this prayer that I'm praying, God, I want your will, not my will. 
I want your plans, not my plans. In fact, hold your spot here. We'll go back to Matthew. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Look in verse 2. Romans 12, 2. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we know what the will of God is for our life? How do we, how do we find out what that is? Well, number one, we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We live for Jesus. We were talking about this recently, and I remember as a kid, and I'm thinking about this tonight. This is Wednesday night. We would have, we had, we didn't have Wednesdays. We had Thursday nights. And this isn't to condemn anybody, but have you noticed a shift in the church today? I remember as a kid that Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights were always packed. Again, I shared this on Sunday, but it, the church used to be the center of the community. That shifted to the school, and to other activities. And then we wonder, and that's, that's, that's not conforming to the Lord, that's conforming to the pattern of this world. God has taken second place in our life. And I'm not speaking just of you, okay? You guys understand that, right? I'm speaking of the church in general, okay? <laughs> so I'm speaking of all of us. But God wants us to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The word transformed, how many of you guys know it means the word metamorphosis? Do you ever see a butterfly? You ever see, you wonder, it goes in as a caterpillar, it literally turns to a liquid form and changes into something different. God wants to transform this mind. When you got saved, your spirit was transformed immediately. But your mind was not. So it has to be transformed, and God wants to begin to renew it and transform it into the thoughts of Christ. That's why he says, you and I have the mind of Christ. So he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? With the Word of God, with prayer, with worship, with spending time in God's presence. You renew your mind by spending time in he with Him. Getting to know his thoughts, his ways. Then it says, then you will be able to test. Notice, test and approve what God's will is. All right, God, what's your direction for my life? Well, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to get in God's presence. The Holy Spirit's going to start connecting with me and give me that discernment of spirit, that inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't do this, do that. How many of you guys know that? How many of you guys still live by that? How many of you guys have your inner promptu from the Holy Spirit dulled right now? You know, sometimes, any of you have your kids, they, they kind of stuff their ears. We call that selective hearing. Or, or, or I, I do that with my wife, right? It's called the, the nothing box that us men get in. It's called selective hearing. And she'll talk to me. She's sitting there talking to me. And, I, and, she, and I'm just shaking my head. And at the end of it, she goes, now what did I just say? 
And she wants me to repeat back to her. I think we do that with God. God's speaking to us, but we have, we're in our nothing box or we have our ears stopped up or we have selective hearing. We're not listening to what he's saying to us. So we need to test and approve what God's will is. Now look at this. His good, his will is good. His will is pleasing and his will is perfect. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. What God designs is pleasing, good, and perfect. It's better than the will that we have for our own life. It doesn't matter how old we are or how young we are. God's got a plan for all of us. You hear me say that all the time. And you'll hear me say it over and over again. God's not finished with us. So let's go back to Matthew. He says, the next thing, he says, give us today our what? Daily bread. God, thank you for the food. You're my provision. You're my provision for everything, right? Next one, forgive our debts as we also forgive what? Our debtors. Well, God's not going to forgive you till you do what? You forgive others. He mentions that in verses 14 and 15. So in your prayer life, I often do this. God, is there anything that I have against somebody? God, am I holding anything against somebody? Speak to me. There have been times I've prayed about it and thought there was nothing going on in my life, and I dreamt that night and had a dream about this person that irritated me. One time when we were up in Longview, I, I, had, uh, I was upset, and you might have heard this story already, but I, I didn't realize I was holding some bitterness towards some individuals. And... We were sitting around in uh, our prayer time on Thursday mornings. And the lady to my right, God began to deal with me with unforgiveness. And these names kept popping up in my head. And all of a sudden she turns to me and she, she starts weeping and talking about her forgiveness. She goes, is there anybody you have unforgiveness towards? And... That day, I had to make a decision. Will I call them? Will I forgive them? Sometimes you can't always call, but sometimes you can just leave it at God's throne and give it to him. And then look at this, verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One translation, I like the end of it. They didn't put in here. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power for what? Ever. So let's go back to James. There's a template right there that Jesus gives us for prayer. James chapter 5, look what he says here. He says, any one of you in trouble, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Hey, praise God at every moment you can. I've woken up with some songs in my mind. Yesterday, this morning, I woke up with a worship song going through my mind. I'd rather wake up to a worship song than a song that I don't like stuck in my head. Anybody ever get a song stuck in your head and you can't get it out of your mind the whole night and it just keeps running through? Is any one of you sick? Now, the word sick here is a Greek verb, and, it, and I'm not going to mention it. I can, it's A-S-T-H-E-N-E-I, and it includes more than physical sickness. It has a basic meaning to be weak. The Bible uses it for uh, a variety of weaknesses, such as being weak in faith, fearful, in financial need, or suffering various diseases. The corresponding noun is used of the moral helplessness of sinners and weakness that gives up too easily. 
The primary meaning in this passage, however, is that, that of physical sickness, disease, infirmity, and weakness. So when he says, is any of you sick? He's saying, if you've got a problem tonight, come to the Lord and ask him to heal you. To do something in your life. And then he says he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, oil back then was also used as a medicinal purpose. And we still use some of those. You know, essential oils, you know, they've kind of come back in the last few years. We have a little uh, diffuser that we use in the wintertime when the kids are sick. And we put drops of oil and deterra and different types of things and peppermint. In, and it really does help. And oil back then, they would anoint them with oil, but it also represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit and God's anointing. And then the prayer offered in faith by the elders. You come together, and there's just something about the prayer of the elders that does something. And it says, and with oil in the name of the Lord. And then look at verse 15, and the prayer offered in what? Everybody say faith. Will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. How many of you guys believe that you can be raised up? How many of you guys have ever seen miracles? How many of you guys have seen people healed miraculously? I think the church needs to see more of the outpouring and manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. I got to wonder, Jesus said when he comes, when he comes back, will he find faith on earth? Are we trusting the Lord to do those things? Now, again, I'm not God. I can sit here and preach about it. But I'm just like you. Lord, we want to see a move of God. How many of us want to see a move of God in this church? In our community? In our nation? We need to believe in faith. You've heard me. I preached on this recently. So when you believe in faith, it says it will make the sick person what? Well... And it says the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. It goes back to the guy on the mat. Jesus said, man, uh, sir, your sins are forgiven. And then remember the Pharisees and Sadducees. Oh, how can you forgive a man's sins? Are you calling yourself God? And he goes, so that you know the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Rise up, take up your mat, and walk. What did he heal first? He healed his sins. He healed his heart. I've seen it. God will heal a heart first before he will make, make the manifest presence of the physical be healed. God will deal with issues of the heart a lot of times first. Because sometimes it's the heart that's keeping the person from being healed. Unforgiveness will keep a person from being healed. Sin in a person's life will keep a person from being healed. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes God allows and permits, right? like Job. But there are those times when it sin does cause us or keep us from being healed. And so God says, you offer that in faith, you repent of it, you confess it, what does he do? How many of you guys know 1 John 1, 9? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you or purify you from all what? Unrighteousness. Okay, let's go on here. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let me stop there. First he says confess your sins to each other. Now we need to be very careful about that. 
Find somebody you trust. Right? That doesn't mean go tell everybody your problem or your sin. Because some people just don't understand it. So find somebody that you trust, that, will confide, that you can confide in, that will be, uh, keep confidentiality, that doesn't have loose lips. The person that has loose lips needs to confess their sin and get right. There's something about confessing to each other that releases us and helps us to heal. Then look at this, the prayer of a righteous man. First of all, if you're right with Jesus tonight, right standing with God, that's what righteousness means. If you're right standing, your prayers are powerful. That word power, you've heard me preach on, is from the word didymus or deutimus, which means dynamite power, which means divine power, which is the same word when it says the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive dynamite or didymus or deutimus power. We believe God for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but we don't believe God that the, our prayers are powerful. We can believe that God can save people, but why can't we believe God can heal us or use us to heal other people? He can. My old, one of my old uh, presbyters, uh, Don Couch, shared a story when I was getting my, I think it was my license or ordination story, but he, I'll never forget he shared this story of a young man that had just got saved and he had a loved one that was in the hospital that was sick. And now this is childlike faith. He just got saved. He believed God saved him. He believed in who Jesus was. So he also believed the word that says, if I anoint them with oil, they will be healed. So Don says he went into the hospital. This person was on their deathbed. And this young man took a whole bottle of oil, the one that I have up there, you know. It'd be like taking this bottle full of oil. And he said it was a big thing of oil. Could you imagine what the nurses thought and the doctors thought when they walked in? And he took that oil and I believe, Jesus, you're going to heal this person. Went all the way down, you know. I could just see what the nurses thought. Oh, my goodness, bacteria, right? Do you know what happened? They got healed. John Wimber said one time he was at a house and he was supposed to be meeting with this lady and this man. and They were together in the house and she had a fever. But she wanted to help out, but she was so sick. And uh, John prayed for her. She said, well, John, would you pray for me? And so he prayed for her. And he thought, well, she's probably not going to get touched. She's probably not going to get healed. That was his thoughts. How many of us have thought those thoughts before? Maybe even not even thought them, but we've sensed them. Is this really working, God? Is anything really going to happen from this? He said he sat down to talk to the man. Next thing you know, she got up. She started cleaning, started working. Went over and checked the temperature. It was completely gone. She was completely healed. One time we had a prayer service. In the church that I was on staff at for eight years, we struggled just to get some of these numbers that we have here tonight. God looks at the faithful. Faithfulness. Well done, my good and faithful what? servant and we had a prayer night that night and it was only five of us and it was late and God moved in among the five of us I love it when God even moves just among two 
And, and I was tired and I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to be at Tulsa County to, to, and we were laying asphalt that day. And I was so tired. And I didn't know my mama was praying for me. Moms, your prayers are powerful. She said, God, we didn't get out. Of, it was like mid midnight. So I had to get up at 4.30. And I woke up that next morning. I didn't even have to get a cup of coffee. It was like somebody had energized me. I wasn't tired. I wasn't sleepy. I, and, and, I, and my mom calls me later on and she goes, did you feel anything different today? I said, yeah. I woke up and it was like I drank a whole pot of coffee without the jitters and the headache and the rush. True story, that really happened. Remember one time we had a, and I might have shared this before. I think I shared this when I was candidating, but I want to share it again. Lived up in Collinsville there, and there was an F5 tornado that was coming down on the ground, and the sky took. It fully formed. And I'd lived through an F4 tornado in 1993 that killed seven people in Catoosa. I was 15 years old. I had my learner's permit. And uh, we drove over to Arnold's and said, Mom, they said that we're going to have severe thunderstorms. She goes, oh, everything will be all right. And we went over to get pizza at Pizza Hut. And we were on our way back. I said, Mom, what idiot's got his hand on the horn? She goes, that's not a horn. That's a disaster siren. We came up to the top of the hill. It just looked like a big cloud. We got into the house and it got dead silent and still. You could see a, you could see a, a, a Texaco sign flying in the distance. And all of a sudden the wind picked up and blew our tramp, which was a cast iron steel trampoline, the old ones, rectangular. So I lived through an, an F4 tornado, so it sparked a seed of fear in me because I saw the damage. How many of you guys have seen the damage of a tornado? Yeah, it, it, it took the, those ship containers and just twisted them like they were pot cans. There was a semi on top of the building. Well, here, here it is. I'm 2003, and I'm at my mom and dad's, and there's this tornado, and I'm just scared. And my mom turns to me, and she says, I'm tired of you being afraid of storms. And she says, speak to that tornado right now in the name of Jesus and pray. Stop being afraid. Well, I'm like, okay. So I just kind of, in the name of Jesus, go. She said, no, you pray against that tornado. I said, okay, Mom. In the name of Jesus, I command you to disappear. Immediately, Travis Myers, who was with Channel 8 at the, or Channel, uh, uh, yeah, it was Channel 8 at the time, came on the TV and he said, I don't know, this is the first time in all the years that I've been doing meteorology where an F5 tornado just completely disappeared. That's prayer offered in faith. That's your prayers being powerful. And notice it says a righteous man. It doesn't say just the pastor. It doesn't just say the elder. It says the Prayer of a righteous man, you could add, because when it uses man, it means any believer. So ladies, right? Your prayers are what? Everybody say powerful. And effective. That means it has a result. You pray, God has a result of it. So when we pray in a little bit, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not God. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. But if we believe in faith, I believe God will answer. Right? I got one yes out of that. So he says this, verse 17. 
Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Notice he said earnestly. That means keep praying. Keep seeking God till you get the answer. Don't quit. Don't give up. It may take years before God answers, but don't stop praying. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. If you know that story, he sent his servant back seven times. Do you see anything yet? Nope, go back. Do you see anything yet? Nope, go back. You know what happens to us? Do you see anything? Nope, I quit. Right? And our first thoughts are, God didn't answer my prayers. They didn't go the way I wanted it to. By the seventh time, he sees the cloud the size of a fist, and he goes, hey, you go tell Ahab that the, 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 the sound of rain is coming. And then a supernatural thing says he girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab that was on a, on a, a, a carriage with horses. He's the fastest man to ever live. Seriously. How fast do horses go? About 30, 40 miles an hour when you got two of them on a wagon, right? I don't know. I don't, never had it. I mean, anybody can correct me on that. I don't know how fast they go. So he's the fastest man to ever live on this earth. Verse 19, then he says this. My brothers, if anyone should wander from the truth, if, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death. The word death is sheel, which is hell, and cover over a multitude of sins. And I believe that goes in with prayer. Praying for the lost, reaching the lost. Seek and save that which is lost. That's what Jesus' mandate is, the Great Commission. Start reaching the lost. If we want the church to grow, we got to start seeking those outside. We've got to start doing those things that are going to reach them. Chairs don't reach people for Jesus. Things out there don't reach, even those, this new carpet and floor, they're great things. They're for us. They're wonderful. But we've got to reach the people out there for them to come in and enjoy this, right? They don't know that we got all this new stuff. God's been laying that on my heart. Let's stop worrying about all this stuff. Let's start worrying about people outside. Because the time's short. Look what's going on right now in Israel. Look what's going on in the world today. Look what they've passed in our schools. Look what they're indoctrinating our kids with. And it's even reached Oklahoma. I couldn't believe it. We moved down here. This is the Bible Belt. You think one place that would be tightened up and strong... It would be the Bible Belt. But I've heard some stories already of what they're starting to infiltrate, even these red states. And I'd only mention red because that's where the Bible Belt is. That's where, you know, the, that's where we stand for truth. You guys know what I mean by that. And I was shocked, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's reached from there and there to here. When we lived up in the Northwest, do you know they, the Northwest and the Northeast of the United States is now comparable to the 1040 window? Do you guys know what the 1040 window is? It's unreached people groups in the world. Let, let me make that clear. It's unreached people groups, and there's a 1040 window. 
They're saying now that the northwest of the United States, the west coast and the east coast, which we, used to, we were founded on Judeo-Christian values, is now de-churched, unchurched, and unreached. And guess what? It's coming this way. So we need to pray for the lost. We need to reach the lost. And you have the power to do that. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. God wants us to pray for each other. So we're going to do that in a minute. I want one more scripture. Go with me to Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3. We're going to start in verse 1, actually. Let's start in verse 1. I want to give you a, a detailed story of this in Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians and, and God had spoken to Jeremiah and said, hey, you're going to have a, a relative that's going to come to you and sell you some land. And I want you to purchase this land and, and take the deed. And, and Jeremiah was confused. He goes, God, I don't understand. Our, Jerusalem's under siege. Uh, there's no hope here. And, he, and, and he's discouraged. He's seeing it. I mean, think about what. How would you feel if the United States was attacked, and you saw all your loved ones killed, and and people put in prison and carried off into captivity? You would think that there was no hope. And yet God tells him to buy this land, to take this deed, and the reason for that is God says that I'm going to come back and I'm going to restore Israel and I'm going to bring them back to this land in seventy years. And then in verse 1 of 33, chapter 33, it says, While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established that the Lord is his name, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not yet know. In fact, in one of the parts of the scripture, he says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? So I'm going to ask you that question. Is there anything too hard for God? Are there things hard for us? Yes. Are there sometimes things out of our control that we don't know what to do? Yes. But with God, all things are what? Possible. I know this is cliche, and I know I'm sharing the same stuff with you, and I'm right there with you. There are times I'm not believing either, and I need to believe. But that's why we're supposed to come and, hear, and grow our faith through the Word of God and stand on it and believe it. So he tells me, or he tells Jeremiah, call to me. Call to me. When you call, what is that? That's prayer. God's saying, Call out to me. Ask me. Speak to me. Ask me to do something for you. He says, call to me and I will do what? I will answer you. Huh? Mighty, Mighty things. He's going to answer. God's going to answer you. How many of you believe that God wants to answer you tonight? And then he says this. And tell you great or mighty things, mighty or great, unsearchable things you do not yet know. That means God's got so many things for us that we don't even know yet. 
right? I know this by verse, but I... And know that in all these things, God works for the good of those that love Him, who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Philippians. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Right there. Needs. I love that. And my God will meet all your needs. Do you have a physical need tonight? Do you have a spiritual need? Do you have a mental need? Do you have a financial need? Do you need a, a whatever it is? God wants to meet your need. And then he says this, all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Who owns everything? God does. God's got glorious riches. And he wants to meet your need. That's what the This is God's word, not, not Marcus's word. I'm just speaking what he's already written down. That's the great thing about a pastor. I'm not sharing anything that God doesn't have in his word, right? It's kind of like, uh, do you ever go up to a, do you ever been at, a, well, when we went to Branson for our minister's renewal, and you go out there and somebody's talking, right? Do you ever go to an elevator and fourth floor, see, that's talking. It's just telling you what the elevator's going to do. I'm just telling you what God has already said he will do. I'm just, uh, as Joe Myers, one of my old friends, told me one time, he says, we're the hose and God turns on the water and he's the water. And he's the one that moves the hose. So I want to do this tonight. How many do we have here? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. How many? Sixteen. I want to break up into groups. And I want to do this. Remember, I'll break up into one of your groups. Yes, it's fun to have your pastor pray for you, but it's also fun to have your friends pray for you. I've seen more miracles happen from people praying for each other in groups. So I want to break up into groups tonight, and I'm going to turn this off here in a second. So how about we just break up into groups of four? There's 16, right? Four times four is what? 16. So let's break up into groups of four tonight, and let's pray for each other's needs tonight. And let's see what God can do. Remember, the anointing of the Holy Spirit's a representation of oil. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. So let's pray that real quick and we're going to break up. Father, I pray as we come together in prayer tonight before we leave this place, that God, again, your anointing will fall into these groups. Lord, whether we feel it or not, it's not based on feeling. It's based upon your word that when we call to you, you will answer and you will show us or teach us great and unsearchable things that we do not yet know. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's break up.